ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, children like this, coming off the most profitable, the most talked about, and one of the most tremendous WrestleManias of all time. This is Brandon's World on this Monday, April 3rd. 2023. I have a lot, a lot of thoughts going through my head today. This morning, as of 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Vincent Kennedy McMahon is no longer the majority owner of World Wrestling Entertainment. We're going to get to all that on Thursday. I'm going to talk about the sale and the acquisition and the coming in of UFC, Endeavor, WWE, all of that, along with the Major League Baseball, pitch clock, NFL proposition, maybe Thursday night football getting flexed, more primetime games, the national championship, obviously, in college basketball. Like, Thursday is going to be a major, major show here on Brandon's World. But today, today, I feel it is only right to reserve this for the greatest spectacle in all sports, the two-night pop culture extravaganza known as WrestleMania. And, of course, this year, WrestleMania went Hollywood from SoFast Stadium in Los Angeles, California. Now, I don't know how long this podcast is going to go. Don't know if it's going to be 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. We'll see. Um, I just have a lot of thoughts running through my head. And so I thought the best way to address WrestleMania Goes Hollywood this year is just go through each of the matches and just give my thoughts on it. So here we go. Kicking things off with Austin Theory defending the United States Championship against John Cena. Now, I was a little bit surprised, especially when the Make-A-Wish kids came out during John Cena's entrance, that Cena actually lost this match. Of course, Cena goes for the AA, referee goes down, Theory able to take advantage, the wall blow the A-Town down, Austin Theory is still your United States champion. I had predicted that Cena would win the championship. Uh, he would issue an open challenge uh, tonight on the Raw after WrestleMania, and then he would lose the United States Championship to either an up-and-coming superstar, a return, or a debuting superstar. That obviously did not happen. Um, I don't know how much heat necessarily this gains on theory just because it was a dirty victory. If it was a clean victory, I think it could have elevated theory and proved his point. They certainly have left the door open for a theory Cena rematch down the line, whether that be at one of these upcoming international shows or SummerSlam in Detroit, or the theory just moves on and you know, tries to be a typical heel and say that, you know, uh, cheaters that that don't get caught, don't cheat, something like that. And Theory goes on and he moves into a new program for the United States Championship, which I think is uh, the, the more suitable of the possibilities to come up. I'm sorry, guys, if you hear me stumbling or getting a lot of words say, there's obviously a lot on my mind. This is one of the craziest weeks in the history of professional wrestling. 
But let's start with match number two, that being Alpha Academy, the Street Profits, the Viking Raiders, Braun Strowman and Ricochet in a match that had no business being this good. The men's Fatal 4-Way Showcase match, which I think they did a good job and sort of explaining the winner of this match could become the new number one contenders for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships, which we'll obviously get to in the main event. Uh, just star-studded. Chad Gable suplexing Braun Strowman was amazing. Uh, the art hitting, obviously, of, of the Viking Raiders. And then Ricochet just fly incredibly high and just dominating. Braun Strowman doing his choo-choo spot on the outside. Otis delivering Strowman with a world-strongest slam. It sort of felt like you know everybody got their moment in this match. Again, for a second match for a cooldown spot, Ricochet, the standing shooting star press uh, on the outside, then doing a complete dive, as well as Montez Ford hitting the from the Evans with Angelo Dawkins getting the roll of victory. Well done. Again, you knew this was going to be a good match, even though there was no one of stakes, just because it's four very solid tag teams in the tag team division. But well done to everybody there. Obviously, Viking Raiders, Strowman and Ricochet, Alpha Academy, and the Street Profits. Next match, one of my favorite matches of night one, that being Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. Logan Paul pulling a little bit of the Shawn Michaels hanging from the ceiling coming down at WrestleMania. I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, I was surprised to wonder it. he didn't end quite all the way down to the ring, but maybe they did that for safety reasons. Then I thought it was a really cool moment with the conductor coming out conducting Seth Rollins' song, and Seth Rollins soaked it all in. And outside of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, I would say Seth Rollins got the biggest pop of night one. Uh, for a WrestleMania crowd that I would say was good, I actually thought they were better on night two than they were for night one, even though arguably I will say this, I think night one was better than night two overall. Night two certainly had better moments. I think we all had very high expectations for a pretty even show for out, though night two I thought was mostly carried by two to three matches where night one was the better overall arching card. And that seems to be the theme throughout these uh, two night WrestleManias that have happened since the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. But of course, Logan all coming out with his energy drink, which we later found out in the match. KSI was behind and Seth Rollins ended up putting KSI for the announce table with a splash, which I thought was a really cool spot. Uh, overall, yeah, you know, these guys just, they, they work really hard. Logan Paul, obviously, with that um one lucky shot that did not result in a free count. Rollins, they were at the pedigree, followed up by the stop. And Seth Rollins going over Queen in this match, I think, is the right call. Uh, we noted during the WrestleMania prediction show that Logan's Paul's contract is up with WWE, though I expect him to be re-signed. And I think this opens the door. Obviously, Logan Paul living in Puerto Rico for a rematch at Backlash where Logan Paul then goes over Seth Rollins, and maybe they do some sort of no-disqualification, no-holds-barred match. I was a little bit surprised Jake Paul did not appear in any capacity. 
Um, you know, I thought maybe Jake Paul, obviously Logan's brother being the pop culture phenomenon that he is, may get involved in this contest, but that was not to be. Again, a very solid contest, and for Logan Paul to only have four matches in this industry, obviously teaming with Miz against Ray and Dominic at WrestleMania 38, the singles match with Miz at SummerSlam, Roman Reigns then at Crown Jewel in Saudi, and then Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 39. One year, four matches with four bona fide studs. And Logan Paul made the best work out of, out of all of them. Uh, he is truly, even though he's technically a part-timer and a social media megastar, Logan Paul to me, just like Pat McAfee, and we'll get to Pat here in a little bit, is a bona fide professional wrestler. The next match on the card, I actually thought was the worst match of the night. Uh, damage control against Becky, Trish, and Lita. I think we were all suspecting some kind of heel turn from Trish Stratus. That did not come about. Uh, EO Sky doing uh, a moonsault was pretty cool. You add, obviously, Trish Stratus doing the moonsault where Becky and Lita kind of whooped her up. Uh, backwards Hurricane Rana spot, which is pretty cool. And then the, the main end of Slam was a nice ending. Man and Oslanda Bailey off the top rope, though Bailey and Damage Control have not won a lot. Uh, and so it makes Damage Control, in my opinion, a little bit less credible. But nonetheless, Becky Wench, Stratus, Lita win. And I wonder who's going to take the tag team championships off them. Could be Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. And it could be as early as tonight, the Raw after WrestleMania. The next match. Oh my goodness, Dominic Mysterio, you piece of shit, son, you son of a bitch. Dominic Mysterio had one of the best entrances in the history of WrestleMania. Coming out and the video package shoot was great, but him coming out in the back of a police van, being surrounded by cops while wearing Rey Mysterio's mask, I thought it was one of the best entrances, again, in the history of the showcase of the Immortals. Followed up by Rey Mysterio running along Snoop Dogg, who, you know, co-hosted the event with Miz and had some cool spots that we'll get to. Uh, shout out to Snoop Dogg. I really thought he had a great time and a great influence on WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. But entering, uh, you know, Rey Mysterio using Snoop Dogg's limo uh, to Eddie Guerrero's theme music. Again, another iconic entrance. Rey Mysterio spanking his son, Dominic, and the referee allowing it, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Um, obviously, the spot with, with Angie and, you know, Rey's daughter, Aaliyah. I thought the family has played so well into the story. It's not just Rey and Dominic. You know, it's, it's Angie. It's Aaliyah. And they've grown up in this business, too. And, you know, Rey Mysterio, obviously, great speech at the Hall of Fame. I thought the Hall of Fame, by the way, was well-produced. Uh, did not feel too long at all. I thought the Hall of Fame was amazing. I thought Ray had a great speech. Obviously, Dominic, Rhea, Damian Priest walking out of Ray's Hall of Fame speech. I thought it was a great added touch to the storyline. I'm sure Don probably went back there in real life and bowled his eyes out. But nonetheless... Um, I thought it was great to stay in character. I thought everything worked. Magato Delphine Asma, the Latino World Order, a recall back to Eddie Guerrero's days uh, in WCW. Like, I just thought it, it all worked. And Ray hitting the 619 and defeating Dominic, I wasn't sure if Ray wanted to get one over on his son. 
but Ray winning and then Bad Bunny getting involved, looking like we're going to get Bad Bunny versus Dominic, or maybe even a tag team match where you get Ray and Bad Bunny versus Dominic and Damian Priest at Backlash would be an absolute phenomenal one. Hearing Michael Cole, who him and Corey Graves, obviously Titus O'Neill had a great spot in the men's showcase in the Triple Threat IC title match uh, on night two. But Michael Owen, Corey Graves, for calling almost 90% exclusively of the action by themselves. Both nights of WrestleMania did a fantastic job specifically in this match. What a barn burner, and this feud is continuing, and I cannot wait to see what happens. Now, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, there was speculation that this SmackDown Women's Championship match could main event the show. And I thought WWE did a good job, and I think that this is really important, right? The first time in WWE history where all four people a part of the match were women. The ring announcer, Samantha Irvin, referee Jessica Carr, and obviously Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. You don't get those elements a lot. Uh, there's been, obviously, woman ring announcers. There's been woman referees. Uh, but there hasn't been a moment where you have a woman's match with a woman's ring announcer and a woman's referee. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was a great touch to do the first ever at WrestleMania. And then these two took it personally. Charlotte Flair kicking out of the Riptide. First ever person ever kicked out of the Riptide. I was shocked. Uh, it didn't dawn on me until Flair kicked out of the Riptide that no one had ever kicked out of the, of the Riptide just because it's such a ferocious and vicious finisher and then the t the top rope riptide ended all was just a sweet daring move charlotte took some really bad bumps obviously doing the moonsault to the outside like she always does is a wrestlemania spectacle with the suplexes she took you know the one on her face that made her face look like she was bleeding or at least a rug burn on it is what they said on commentary just Charlotte and Rhea beat the absolute hell out of each other. Uh, and they wanted to prove that they should have been the night one main event of WrestleMania. Though we all know that spot obviously was well-deserved and went to the bloodline and should have went to the bloodline story. We're going to get to that story. But first, Pat McAfee beat up the Miz. And I got to admit, I popped for Pat McAfee. Uh, Pat McAfee's an absolute star. We all miss him on commentary. As good as Wade Barrett is on SmackDown next to Michael Cole, he's certainly no Pat Mac, who I'm sure is running the Pat McAfee show on YouTube right now as I speak at the time of this recording. George Kittle then even coming out. Like, just the subtle moments of WrestleMania this year. There wasn't a ton of surprises um, we'll get to the one surprise that happened at night, too, that almost turned into a disaster that saved the show. But, you know, this show, outside of Cena, who obviously was a surprise, if you want to put Edge in there, go ahead, though. Edge has been around, I would say, more than Cena. Uh, lead interest Stratus were viewed as sort of part-timers' main attractions this year, though their match didn't have that great of a story, and they've only been around for a couple weeks. So, but most of the stars were full-time stars, and I really enjoyed that. I thought they did a good job making WrestleMania as current star-driven as they could, and the sponsorship, I think, and everything, and the revenue and everything made up for the lack of surprise returns, if you will. But Pat Mack beating up Miz was nice until the main event of WrestleMania. 
And I will repeat this again when we get to the real main event of WrestleMania night two, the undisputed championship. And I will explain why I picked Roman Reigns to retain the Universal Championship and why hashtag Brandon was right. And I called it. I said, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will win the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. And I said, Roman Reigns will retain the the Undisputed Universal Championship. No knock of the Tribal Chief. He is no longer the Universal Champion. He is the Undisputed Universal Champion. But, you know, thinking about it there and just sitting here and thinking about all of these spectacular moments that WrestleMania gave us over this weekend. Kevin Owens has main-evented back-to-back WrestleManias. Last year, WrestleMania 38, the most stupendous WrestleMania in history. Kevin Owens went one-on-one -on -one with Stone Cold Steve Austin in a no-holds-barred match. This year, Kevin Owens teams with his lifelong best friend, Sami Zayn, in the most important tag team match in the 39-year history of WrestleMania and the history of world wrestling entertainment against the Usos, who in prior WrestleManias could barely get on the card, if not the pre-show, were now main eventing and had, outside of Roman Reigns, you could say the match of the weekend at WrestleMania 39. There were a lot of match of the weekend candidates, whether it was Seth Rollins and Logan Paul, whether it was Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, whether it was Edge and Finn Balor, Drew McIntyre, Gunther and Sheamus, Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, the Usos, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. There was a lot of spectacular action, but I mean, just between the stunners and Sami Zayn kicking out of the 1D and the three Oluva kicks and the announced table spot. I mean, everything. There were so many false finishes in that match. My emotions are still taking a toll from that match, let alone the match last night. Same scenario where you think Kevin and Sami are going to win, but then there's a moment where you don't know. And then there's a moment where you think the users are going to win. Then you're back to, I don't know who's going to win. It is captivating it is a spectacle it is a sport it is story driven and that's one of the things that i love about wrestlemania is when it's done right this truly felt like the main event of the show you know i was telling people over the weekend obviously wrestlemania has only been a two-night event now for four years but it really has felt normal and wwe you know uh, my brother, who's a casual wrestling fan, has said, you know, Roman Reigns and maybe John Cena and a few others are the only true megastars of WWE right now. And while I agree with that, there's a lot of stars. There's not many superstars, but there's a lot of stars. There's a lot of people that deserve the main event of WrestleMania, which is why night two, this match tonight or I should say Saturday night, did not feel like a not main event. It felt like a true main event. It felt like it mattered. It was a huge tag team match. And that pop that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn got was a chef's kiss pop. The wife long friends finally take down the tag team champions. A reign of 620 days. The Usos. And now we get to the story of night two. Before we get there, of course, Night 2 kicked off with Brock Lesnar, F5-ing Amos. And listen, I was impressed with the way Brock Lesnar F5'd the man without even having to get on the top rope. 
I mean, the man literally just jumped up there, whooped him up, and planted him with an F5 after he took a massive shots of clotheslines and bear hugs and everything else, and even German suplexed him a couple times. Um, this was different for Brock Lesnar. You know, people obviously always come to see the Beast, but this time the Beast was not in the main event. And if the Beast is not in the main event, he usually kicks off the show, though I thought this time it would go second. I knew it would go pretty early on in the card. Um, but Brock defeating Amos was just fun. It was what it was supposed to be. Good way to kick off WrestleMania with the F5, creating that Ogan Andre the Giant moment. Then we got a little bit of a slow burn to the card. And what I mean by that is I was not very impressed at all by the women's showcase match. Ronda Rousey coming in there at the end and picking the bones for her and Shayna Baszler. I thought Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez had some nice spots. I thought Sonny Deville and uh, Chelsea Green did their thing as heels. I didn't think uh, Natty and Shotzi did that much. But honestly, I thought it was the worst part of the entire weekend. I just did not buy that match at all. And then we got a quick Bobby Lashley segment with him coming out carrying the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Trophy, which did not make any sense to me. I thought, you know, give Lashley a match when Lashley did not appear to take on Miz for night two. I had thought, or excuse me, on night one, I thought maybe he comes out and beats a Miz on night two or issues an open challenge. Nothing like that. Nope, Lashley was just sitting on the sidelines this year for WrestleMania, um, which was a shock to me. We all know the situation with Bray Wyatt, but I I don't understand for the life of me how you cannot figure out to get Bobby Lashley on the card in LA night for that matter, which we'll get to in a little bit. Now, through McIntyre, Sheamus, Gunther. Their chest looked like red meat at the end of this match. And when Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and special guest commentator Titus O'Neil are giving the three men a standing ovation for the physicalness and the brutality these three men put on, I mean, again, you could make another argument. There are so many matches. It's worth repeating many, many times. There are about five or six matches that anybody that's ever been a fan of the sport of professional wrestling, past, present, or future even, should go and watch from this weekend. I thought from an in-ring standpoint, it was one of the best wrestling WrestleManias of all time. But Gunther Sheamus Drew absolutely tore the house down, did not use any weapons, did not need any weapons, because these three bros just know how to hit. And Gunther, who is the longest reigning intercontinental champion of the 21st century, his reign continues after powerbombing Sheamus on a Drew McIntyre, and then powerbombing McIntyre into the mat for the 1-2-3 Gunther is being built up as an unstoppable force. And I got to tell you, folks, there is a real possibility of Gunther being the one to dethrone the tribal chief. Then we got Bianca Boer and Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Which I'll be honest with you, I was not expecting big things going into the match. I thought the match was okay. Bianca powering up Asuka after Asuka missed with the mist 
was a moment that I did not expect. I thought Oscar was going to walk away the Raw Women's Champion. There's really not nothing left for Bianca Belair to do. She has beaten every single person to me in the Raw Women's Division. But she does now have a reign of the Raw Women's Championship for over one year. I think that is significant. And unless you're calling up a major heel from NXT to take the championship from Belair, or you have Asuka turn heel tonight on Raw, and maybe you ever win back the Raw Women's Championship from Belair, I don't see how Belair winning the championship is best for business. Now, I wanted Bianca Belair to win because I don't really like the idea of having Asuka as champion. I don't think Asuka's, you know, the greatest wrestler, the greatest Japanese wrestler, whatever you will call her. Uh, I don't really like Asuka. I don't, you know, emotionally connect with her that a lot of the WWE Universe does. So I'm more down on Asuka than most. But I'm just curious to see where Belair goes from here. A good match, though certainly not as good as what she had, and not even close to Sasha Banks at 37 and Becky Lynch last year. But nonetheless, Bianca Belair is 3-0 at WrestleMania. Then we get Snoop Dogg and Miz announcing the attendance of about 81,000 for night two. And out comes Shane McMahon to a major pop from me because I was not expecting Shane McMahon to appear at WrestleMania 39 in any capacity whatsoever. Did not hear anything about it. Uh, it was a major surprise. One of the reasons being is because... You know, Shane McMahon has been very quiet. He has not said anything publicly about Vince when he obviously left in July of 2022. He has not said anything about the WWE sale. You've heard no news about Vince McMahon's son whatsoever. And so on the night that WWE gets sold to Endeavor, Shane McMahon comes out and then tears his quad in one second trying to beat up the Miz. Of course, we know the rivalry from WrestleMania 35. Shane McMahon looking for revenge on Miz. Tears his quad, and then Snoop Dogg has to improvise, knocks Miz out, delivers the people elbow. I thought saved the segment. I thought it was a nice cool-down segment, uh, though not as good as obviously the Pat McAfee segment on Saturday's show. Then we get to hell in a cell. Brood Edge versus the Demon Finn Bauer. And this cell match did not go that long. Probably one of the shortest cell matches in recent hell in a cell memory. But it did not need to be. These two men hate each other. And they just went out and they threw the kitchen sink at each other. Whether it was red steel chairs, purple tables, purple kendo sticks, normal kendo sticks. Um, just the colorfulness and the brutality and Edge using a ladder to swing Finn Bauer with it in the face, which Finn Bauer actually ended up getting busted open, which you couldn't see that well because of the face paint that Bauer was wearing from the demon, which was more purpley than ready. Obviously, a take on the heel Finn Bauer versus the uh, face demon. But I thought these two put on a very classic, solid LNSL match. A great spot with an execution as well off the ladder. I thought Edge took some real good risk. I thought it was very physical. And the concerto to end the feud. We all know where this got really personal. With Rhea Ripley delivering the concerto to Beth Phoenix at Extreme Rules. For Edge to complete the comeback. Concerto to the Demon King at WrestleMania 39. Edge wins in what very well might be his last 
WrestleMania match. And while you think you know me, Edge, you know you are my favorite WWE wrestler of all time. And so we came in for the intro today for the first time in a while because we've been doing so many guest shows here throughout the uh, month of March and early April. But I think Edge moves on. I think Edge now moves into the final chapter of his career where he takes on some younger talent and then ends up the boots eventually later this year in Toronto, Canada for the Judgment Day. Outside of Rhea Ripley, they all lost. And Damian Priest was very, barely involved this weekend. He was not involved in the LNSL match uh, at all. It was just Edge and Finn Bauer. And so for this year-long rivalry between Edge, who formed the Judgment Day at WrestleMania 38 to end, you know, part of the Judgment Day at WrestleMania 39, I thought was great. Then we got the Hall of Fame ceremony, and then came the main event. And the whoa from the crowd, the crowd all wanted the American Nightmare, the son of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, the one and only Cody Rhodes, the former AEW EVP, former Stardust, who came back one year ago at WrestleMania 38 and defeated Seth freaking Rollins to be the one to throw the 946 day of Universal Undisputed Champion Roman Reigns' his reign. But it was not meant to be. With the late, great Brody Lee's son, given the weight belt by Cody Rhodes, with Brandy Rhodes and Cody Rhodes' child in the crowd, Cody Rhodes was looking to finish the story. But he got met by the final boss, the tribal chief, the head of the table, the undisputed universal champion, Roman Reigns. And from the moment the bell rang, you could tell this match was different. There was, again, just like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos, a lot of emotion in this match. You did not know who was going to win at times. You didn't know if Roman was going to win. You did not know if Cody was going to win. You thought, you thought, no, 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 indifferent, back and forth, and that's what a true WrestleMania main event is all about. Obviously, the ref spot happened. I thought uh, when Cody Rhodes was going to hit the three crossroads in a row, I thought that was it. Was not it. Paul Amon able to stop the official. The Usos get involved. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn get involved. Brawl with the Usos throughout the crowd. We are back with Roman and Cody one-on-one. Looks like Cody's going to win the Undisputed Championship. And then Solo Sokoa, who was banned earlier in the match for a shot on Cody Rhodes with Cody Rhodes' weight belt from a distraction from the wise man, Paul Amon, the ultimate eel as a manager next to Bobby the Brain Heaton. Creates the distraction along Sokoa to hit the Samoan spike allowing Roman Reigns to retain the Undisputed Championship. And as I told you, there are two reasons, as I said in my WrestleMania Sunday predictions, why the end of the table, why the Tribal Chief is still your Undisputed Universal Champion. Reason number one. Roman Reigns is going to be champion for a thousand days. Roman Reigns may even be champion for 1,500 or close to 2,000 days as we go to next year. WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. WWE 
wants Roman Reigns to be one of the longest-lasting champions of all time. They want the head of the table, the tribal chief, the undisputed universal champion to be the champion all the way to best Hulk Hogan and potentially Pedro Morales to be third on the all-time list of championship reigns in WWE history. Secondly, Cody Rhodes, folks, like it or not, he is not the one to defeat Roman Reigns, just like his dad, Dusty. Dusty always chased the WWE Championship, though he never won it. And just like his dad, Cody does not want to win the Undisputed Universe Championship. Cody wants to chase the Undisputed Championship. And Cody Rhodes, who entered WrestleMania 39 being undefeated since he returned to WWE, now as a redemption story. Now he's a gawash. Now he has to figure out what went wrong. And he may go soul-searching. For all we know, he may go back to Seth freaking Rollins. But he may go for the Intercontinental Championship, Gunther, which I pitched. Uh, I know there's a lot of concern about this Barry Cody. And Cody's going to go back to the mid-card and yada, yada, yada. With Roman Reigns still in a part-time schedule, Cody Rhodes will still be the main face of Monday Night Raw. I don't think they're going to be doing a WWE draft from the sound of it. It looks like the draft and the brain split is kind of dead. You're going to have stars merging over, which I think Fox and USA have reportedly been happy about since it's happened come WrestleMania and Royal Rumble season. But the story now is the Usos lost, right? Roman Reigns has proven why he is the tribal chief. Because the Usos could not get the job done. They could not get rid of the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn problem. And it may be that Roman Reigns has to get rid of them for the good. And now Roman Reigns only trusts Solo Sokoa, who actually did his job by taking out Cody Rhodes and helping Roman Reigns retain. That is a possibility. That is the story they are going to write, which is Roman Reigns berating. Jay and Jimmy Uso for not winning the Undisputed Tag Team Championship match. And eventually, Jimmy and Jay will turn on Roman. And I do predict that Jay Uso, as I told you, going into WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes is not the guy. There are a couple guys that could defeat Roman Reigns' championship reign. One being Sami Zayn, because of how involved he was in the borderline. But if you're not going to go the Sami route... It should be either Seth Rollins, obviously with his relationship with The Shield, and they still need to revisit that match between Roman and Rollins in the Royal Rumble of 2022, or Jay Uso, who you go back to the story of August 2020, Roman Reigns' first feud as Undisputed Universal Champion was against Jay Uso. When Roman made Jay Uso acknowledge him, and Sami Zayn kept saying for Jay Uso all this time that Jay Uso really doesn't acknowledge the tribal chief. I believe in that wholeheartedly, and I do believe that Jay Uso will be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. Guys, it was not time. The story is not Cody Rhodes winning the Undisputed Championship. Because without the Undisputed Championship, there is no head of the table. There is no tribal chief. There is no Roman Reigns without the championships. If Cody Rhodes won the championships, 
Where does Cody Rhodes go? There's no challengers for Cody Rhodes to face because there is no dominant heel outside of Gunther, who's already a champion, and Austin Theory, who's already a champion, and my guy L.A. Knight, who didn't even get on the card this year, which, again, did not understand uh, at this year's WrestleMania. But they teased all that with L.A. Knight, and then he didn't get on the card. Don't understand it at all. With Roman Reigns, you have, again, Rollins, Jey Uso, uh, guys from NXT, potentially, Ron Breaker coming into the main roster. You still have a Randy Orton that I want to see. Sheamus. Um, there are still Bobby Lashley. There are guys that Roman Reigns can still face for the Undisputed Championship. You can make it fresh. And when Roman Reigns is not on TV, you have the story of the Usos trying to get back into the good grace of the bloodline, which will probably eventually lead to a turn. And who knows, maybe we even get Reigns versus Sokoa at SummerSlam. That's another possibility. Though if Randy Orton never returns, maybe RK-Bro talks some sense in the Usos, and you get an RK-Bro reunion. Like, there are so many different apps you can go with this. Way more than if the American Nightmare were to walk out champion. It was absolutely the right call. I told you it was going to happen. Mark this down to where the Brandon was right category. Um, Again, Usos lose, Reigns retains. That's what I said to end my WrestleMania preview. And that's what I'm saying to end my WrestleMania recap. And so WrestleMania goes Hollywood occurred. It was an extravaganza like no other the last two nights. WrestleMania 39. Folks, Thursday is going to be one of the biggest shows in the history of this podcast since we left Black Squirrel Radio in May of 2021 upon my graduation of Kent State University. We are going to be talking about the sale of World Wrestling Entertainment. We're going to be talking my thoughts on the NCAA Championship game. My thoughts on the new Major League Baseball rules. My thoughts on the NBA as we head into the postseason. And my thoughts on the NFL's new Thursday Night Football scheduling the new rule changes potentially, and the possibility of NFL being on primetime seven days a week. A massive show ahead of Easter Sunday. That is this Thursday coming up on Brands World. I hope you all enjoyed, spent time with family, enjoyed this wonderful, dare I say, stupendous WrestleMania 39 weekend as WrestleMania closes out here in Hollywood. Raw after WrestleMania coming up Monday. We will also get into that on Thursday as well. So make sure you be here and check us out on all of our podcasting platforms. Anchor, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. We are in collaboration with Voltage Live. This is the Brand of Podcast, and we are out of here by acknowledging the head of the table.